Blog Talk Radio. Episode 15 and a half, quarantine week 43 and a half, and your moon is at waning crescent, 2%. So in no time at all, at all, we will be at the new moon and in full dark, which is excellent cover for mischief making. Tonight's topic is, where the hell did I disappear to? No, 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 that's not right. That's another topic for another time. Tonight's episode is, happy birthday, Neve. Wait, it's chaos order and the importance of feeling uncomfortable. And what a witch can do with this state of magic. Bradwick. Hello. Are you there? Okay. I'm a poor there. I am. Never. Right. Actually, yeah, you, t- you take one. Who's this? What you the hell? Neve. Neve. Mute your phone. Yes? If you're not talking, mute your phone. We talked about I this. I know, it was muted. My boob pressed mm-hmm. it. It wasn't muted. And the entire globe is listening in, to you tell me. It was not intentional. Your phone was muted. Okay, family fights. It's go time. Bradwick, this is what you waited for. And the boxing gloves are off. What's this? Hey. Oh, it's liquid food. Thank you. This is Neve's butternut squash soup. So this is going to be the chaotic episode, much to Bradwick's horror. Can you see the horror on his face, everyone who's listening? He's freaking out because we're deconstructing the the order, and I'm instituting chaos, which I've been doing since 1971. High five with someone who has used hand sanitizer. And tonight... Our beloved and succulent guest, part two, is Ashra Sopsaros. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I don't know how I am. No. No, not really. Maybe we can figure that out. Maybe we can figure that out. Okay, maybe we can figure that out. Um, so, holy shit, what a weekend we've, we've had. So... Last Friday, <laughs> we abbreviated the show so that everyone could uh, tune into whatever their news delivery system is and watch all the hellscape that is uh, erupting because of the Republicans party of global dominion has been thwarted by their own fucktards of oppression, which I think is fantastic. I mean, if someone's plane was going to get blown up one way or another, this is exactly how it should go. The unscripted non-role players 
just say, ooh, we should probably break that door in. And then the Republicans are like, no, 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 that's not in the script. They're going off script. And then they're like, oh, but chaos. So this is perfect for thwarting the dominant paradigm. And, yeah, six people are dead, and this is all being laid at your feet, Republicans. And if you didn't think that we weren't – wait, English first. Try it again. We're watching. We saw all of it, and it's going to happen again. Uh, Or they will make an attempt for it to happen again. Um, But now there's cameras everywhere and global condemnation and nine platforms of disapproval um, and companies pulling out of not campaign funding, but party funding, like political Give me words, Aaron. I'm not wording this properly. Yeah, political, like the Republican Party. And yeah, their bank is pulling out. That's what I can tell you about that. Um, and I'm enjoying seeing this shit happens because that's where that's where the pain is going to be exacted for Republicans. Um, is their endorsements, including the PGA. <laughs> has canceled um, having their event at Trump's, which golf course was it? The one in Jersey. Ben Minster, that's right. So the PGA has canceled their uh, tour happening at Bedminster, as we say in Western Massachusetts, um, which couldn't make me happier. Actually, the thing that makes me happier is the hilarity that Scotland called <laughs> and they said, um, we don't know where we think you're going to land your plane, but you coming here for, it was another golf thing, right? At Turnberry? Or no, it wasn't about Turnberry. Yeah, I think it was like one of those non-extradition type bullshits. Um, But Scotland deemed his trip unessential or non-essential travel, and they rejected his ignorant ass. Two women, nonetheless, on international TV. And this couldn't warm my shriveled little mold-encrusted heart more. Um, this is exactly the warmth I needed to watch a tyrant in fear and having his support structures pulled out from underneath him. So this is literally one of those flip the scripts when we pull the structure of order out from underneath and let chaos reign. And enjoy the fruit, because those of us at the bottom who've never been able to institute any order of our own, and we have only 
lived and died at the behest of superimposed orders, this is an enjoyable process, at least for me. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Erin? She's nodding yes. She is the silent presence in the room, but she has since been upgraded to the quiet presence in the room, I think. Um, And also, Asher is here, and what I initially thought was a panda suit. So we're going to let this go ahead and be a fleece panda onesie. Is that all right? Today it is. She looks outstanding, either way, either way. She's dichromatic, and it works for me. All right, so let's do a little decompression. Everyone has checked in, I think. Okay, so Bradwick, what has been your after-show musings, thought decompressions, mind munchings about chaos and order and the importance of discomfort since we spoke last on Friday the 8th. Share. Mm, mind munchings. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, like a snack. Yeah, a little, little snack. Um, so I... It's, it's, I'm sorry, hold on. I'm hearing an echo of myself. Let me turn some stuff down here. Um, I've been thinking about it a little bit, and, you know, even at work, um, when something little has started to happen, um, mm-hmm. I remember this show and what we talked about and, and how chaos, you know, we mm-hmm. can use that. And I know mm-hmm. I talked about how I used it, but now I was, like, more cognizant of it. That mm-hmm. these even these like little minuscule things that happen during the day, that's still a little I chaos pocket. The minuscule. Ding 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 ding. He gets a word. Okay. <laughs> minuscule. So even, yeah. Okay. So even even the tiny pockets of chaos. Even the tiny pockets of chaos that are around my immediate vicinity. I can still pull some magic off of. I can still work with that, and I, I was actually I was able to do it recently. You know, I had a couple things happening in succession, and I had to stop myself and say, "Hold up, hold up! This is the chaos." <laughs> I was talking about with Adara. This is the chaos coming in. Not today. No, no, no. It's Monday. I got a whole freaking week to go. Like <laughs> so, let's rang it in and I, I did. I was able to make sure everything was taken care of, everything was good, worked out, had a great day today. It could have been a lot worse had I not been mindful of mm. how I could feed off of that chaos. So you feel like you've got an upper hand if that makes sense. Yeah. I would say so in a sense. I would say yes. I feel like today I felt like a little little parasite, a little chaos of vampire. And I was like, ooh, oh that's God. the problem. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to go. 
Yeah, I was like, that's going to be a problem, but I'm going to go feed off of that real quick because I'm going to use it later. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, witchfully speaking, you're ingesting the chaos, making a part of your witchful biosphere and turning it into, well... If we followed the digestion metaphor to its natural end, you're making little turdlets of order out of your life. And yeah, and what is order but organized chaos? You know, yes. Yeah. And it sparks joy, does it not? <laughs> It does. It does. It gives you a certain sense of like, oh, I can freaking do this. Yeah. Because there's those of us who were born in the chaos quadrant um, for whom it is completely normal. It was, you know, put it this way. I was born into a house that was 750 square feet and there were six of us living in that house. Um, And I didn't have a bed of my own until I was 21 years old. And I was so fucking disoriented by that and disordered by what other people from a different perspective would have seen as a natural continuation of their stream of order because they had come from or had been born into a quadrant of order and structure that was mirrored in what was reproduced at college. Well, when you come from a household of poverty level, and you get to college on scholarships, you are introduced to a chaos from your perspective because to everyone else's, this is how it, quote-unquote, should be anyway. And it's like, hold up, wait a fucking second. Let's talk about how, how I grew up and how we made doll beds out of the brown paperboard box that government cheese came in. Um, And that was where I learned that my, my chaos and my fluency in the chaos quadrant gave me an edge I was clear thinking and lucid where others who had structures in place all of their lives took those things for granted. And so when any of, you know, if any one of those elements were pulled out of their ordered world, they descended into helplessness and complete, like, inability to function. And I was like, what the fuck are y'all crying about? Get your shit together 
and let's do some stuff. And they were like, you do it. You know what you're doing. No, just because I'm decisive doesn't mean I know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, lucky for them, I usually did. Not to say that I didn't steer chaos in a couple directions of my favor from time to time. You know what I'm saying? But it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a perspective, though, right? And our yeah, functionality can be grown. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We can, we can think... grow ourselves out of that quadrant and into other quadrants. Continue what you were saying. I might have cut you off. No, I'm sorry. There is a bit of a time delay. Um, the chaos that I was referring to earlier, as I said, it was minuscule. Because that's my <laughs> that's that's my perspective. Like I know that these things will probably wouldn't bother other people, but I know that they're going to bother my day, and my work schedule, and my efficiency during the day. So to me, that's little pockets of chaos. Now, when I start to think about the bigger chaos around me, like you know what's going on in the world right now, that I I haven't tapped into. That puts me off. That throws up a red flag for me. I mean, last night I was, you know, watching the news. I was going through social media. I fell down a rabbit hole where I was looking at some comments and somebody mentioned something about underground, you know, uh, Republican groups that were talking about doing something. So naturally I was like, ooh, what's this? Get on the Google machine, fell down another rabbit hole, and I just sat there and I got myself scared because I started seeing all these horrible things being said on the internet and these like plans that were being made. I was like, that Mm -hmm. brand of chaos, I can't Mm -hmm. personally tap into that. So I think there's different levels and um, uh, ways to adjust. So like, I think I can say I can do like minuscule things, but the big stuff I'm going (laughs) to, I need to not, it it scares me is what it is. It's, Okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. <laughs> it's the fourth son, Bradwick. The word yes. is pronounced minuscule. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, did that come from Neve? Oh, wait. Or did oh, it come from Astra, my fellow English major? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, bitch. Whoa. What the hell? <laughs> More chaos. Go what? ahead, Nev. Hit what? it. Excuse me? She's taking you to task now, <laughs> bitch. You but get your gloves in front of your face, Bradwick. She's about to knock your teeth down your throat. Bradwick, you want to... <laughs> I got to go. I'm mean, getting another have... call. Bradwick, do you have something to say to me? You got something to say, Bradwick? I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking up. All right. It's not like I don't know where you live. Ooh, you, do. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> she does. You, you thought I was twenty minutes photo. away. I could, I could easily find <laughs> out. <laughs> you misunderstand. My daughter drives very fast. We are from New England. <laughs> also, it's not like I don't know people who do know where you live. I can find out easily. Nevin, I can tell you, he sends us photos of himself all the time, and each one of those has a geotag on it. 
I didn't say it wasn't you. You are entirely correct. I don't remember the last time I was wrong. No, wait, it well, was Saturday, 2010, September anyway, 4th. Back to the <laughs> okay, so we interrupted your thought. We tripped over the word minuscule, and now I can't remember where you are. I apologize. If you're able to continue <laughs> your thought, please do. No, I was just, uh, we left off at me saying that there were different levels to the chaos, and I know where my limit is. Like, I can't tap into, or I at least feel like I can't tap into the bigger chaos around me because I feel that I it's out of my hands. Like, the, I, I mean, it's not out of my hands, but it's too far away, and it's too big for me to feed off of myself. And but what I can do around me, I can do. So we were talking about like different levels of feeding off of it. Well, yes, I would not use the word feed off of, um, but I like where your head's at. Um, I had never thought of it quite that way. When it comes to me being aware of the context I am in as a witch. It is simply one of those close your eyes and feel your environment type situation because you are going to enter into and exchange magic with your context as you reorder your spell work, you're going to reorder your world into a deliberate and intentional outcome of magic, a braid of magic. That makes sense. So it's not, while I love the little, little, little image of a tiny black bunny nibbling chaos and pooping little turds of order, that's you, that's my metaphor now, um, that's not necessarily how one should regard it wholly and completely. Yes, you do take it in, but it's more like, dispersing yourself like a fine mist or a fog or vapor. You know, like Dracula. He can appear as vapor. Never mind. I'm quoting Sir Anthony Hopkins, Bram Stoker, 1991. Something. Anyway, um, it's more vaporous than that. And your ability to summon it back, kind of Magneto when he pulls all of the mercury out of that prison guard to his acrylic prison. And then he coalesces them into the three atomic quarks of misfortune. (laughs) And he breaks out his (laughs) acrylic prison. I'm sorry, a lot of my metaphor is going to be um, MCU because... 
I was born that way, and I take sides. Anyway, um, I wouldn't necessarily think about chaos as what you're feeding on um, because you don't want to ingest it necessarily and make it part of your biosphere. You want to have the most accurate intel, though. You want to have a good eye on what your context is so that you know what of your skills, which of your skills is necessary or or needed to work with the magic and create from it what you need personally. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes, yeah, yes. 100%. Okay, excellent. Good. Do you feel parented? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. It's totally, totally good. <laughs> the only one that's laughing is a silent presence in the room. That should let you know that your jokes need to be rewritten and you slip off into your dressing room and drink a little. Okay, with that, <laughs> um, your regard for chaos and order should be the same. That's the goal. And I use the word should with all the air quotes and all the asterisks because should is too often used in places of judgment. And this is not a judgment. It is my recommendation that one should, as a witch, be aware of and listen to, with a capital L, um, or eat, which was the metaphor you had been using, Broderick. One should be aware of the context of the world's magic so that one can slip into, pull together what magics are needed and then coalesce those things into the outcome. You can't do that um, if you are unaware or not fully apprised of your context. This harkens back to um, the conversation I had with another witch friend who is new to the path. And they kept coming upstairs and telling me superficial things about the weather that I could get from pulling up my weather app on my phone. Um, And my question had originally been what do you what does it feel like outside and the assumption had been weather and so when i sent said friend back outside to tell me what it feels like they were gone for 20 minutes came back up and looked visibly disturbed, (laughs) and 
we didn't talk about it. Uh, she took some space and sat with it for a while because when you put down your government allotted five senses and you pick up all of the capacities that you have as an animal of this place, this sphere, we are animalia, we are not vegetalia, although moments of that are acceptable and recommended in some cases. Um, but we have more capabilities and aptitudes and skills and specialties even um, that can be picked up and used. And what the fundamental requirement is, is the willingness to listen with a capital L or to feel the word. See, we're lacking appropriate language to even describe what humans are capable of doing. And this is fucking ridiculous to me, but this is what happens when you put a a priest class um, in between the experience and the experiencer. It's like there's a thousand things that you can know, but you're going to be told that there are only five, and we will tell you which five, and they are sight, smell, vision, taste, touch. Okay, thanks. Because what they've done now is that they have ruled out 995 ways to ascertain your environment. And if you show up with a sixth way or a tenth way or a one hundredth way of knowing with a capital K, they're going to tell you you need a psych consult, you get prescription meds, and you are recommended for a psych eval or therapy. And that is the truth. But as long as we have a willingness to stand in our world and be in our world and listen and open to the and be open to the feedback and the hum and the buzz of the world and the feelings of the world, um, that's where we can learn not only how to use what we're feeling and hearing and seeing, but moreover, we can find the ways in which we as individuals are skilled. Because the person that I sent back outside into the night air or the afternoon air is an air witch. (laughs) And I knew this. She knows this superficially. But by the time she came back upstairs, she knew it for real. Like for real, for real. 
like for real. It's the same way like when you see a gardener put a trowel into the earth as a child for the first time and grow a carrot or a tomato or whatever. That gardener remembers that moment for the rest of their natural born lives and even into the next beyond because that was the moment when they were unified with their magic, their element, their gift. And what I would love for all of you who are listening, not just Peach and Ashra and the silent presence in the room and Neve, whose birthday it is again today, is that you are hearing what you are hearing. You are seeing what you're seeing. You are feeling what you're feeling. You are smelling what you're smelling. Whether or not there's someone in your house that smokes cigars, it's probably time to read up on Papa Legba. Okay. That little diatribe aside, chaos and order like Neve shared uh, Friday, is indeed a context, uh, a muggle context. It's an introduced introduced construct created by the muggleverse to describe extremes of bad and extremes of good. And I'll let you guess which one is which. Because the idea that was pushed upon us, besides those five senses we're only allowed to have, is that there is lawful good and then there's chaotic or unlawful evil. And I'm here to expose that as a fraud through a resetting of your brain. And that means we have to help each other deconstruct the little separators um, of superimposed order onto our lives. So now, with that thought in mind, I'm going to give Ashra some time to speak, and I have a question for her. Based on what I have just shared, and this is a primo setup, what is the importance of discomfort? Well, I had a few days to think about it, and I think it goes hand in hand for me with chaos because chaos is always going to be there. Um, and for me, it's not it's not pulling from it. It's it's a way to to manage it or how to rein it in instead of just saying, "Well, it's going to be there, and I'll just try to ignore it," because you can't, and it'll just overtake your life. So lately, for me, it's just finding ways to handle it, and that has been uncomfortable for me because that includes 
asking for help, which is what I don't like to do, or setting boundaries with people, which is what I don't like to do. But once you start doing them, it is a little easier. And I think what also I noticed is that I think a lot of us look for change to happen right away. And when it doesn't, we get uncomfortable with that. But in order to make these significant changes, it's going to take time. It's not going to be day one, day two, day three. It could take a long time. But you have to get through that uncomfortable time period to get to that change and to handle that chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does, if you could create a word, a witchful translation or a concept that would work with discomfort, witchfully speaking, in terms of knowing your context of the world as a witch. What does discomfort signal to you? I don't know. The first thing that comes to mind is intention. So when I feel uncomfortable, what are my intentions? What am I seeking? And how can I go about finding that? So even with little things, so I make my coffee in the morning, I think about my intentions for the day. What do I want? What am I seeking? Mm-hmm. And that helps me start my day, and I feel better from those little ways. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about your intention. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where's Neve? Where's Neve at? Neve. Hello. 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 Would you? We can't hear you. Hello? 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 Oh, dear. Bradwick, you said you wanted more Hedera Neve al fresco, and we're we're dishing it up al fresco. You know why? Because we're between the worlds. And we're in a place that's not our place. And this is episode 15.5. Didn't you say that? You didn't say all that. <laughs> oh, now he's regretting it. I can hear how much he's regretting it. Neve. Yes. What does discomfort signal to you? For me, it's an indication. Oh, what? Okay. Um, I would say for me, it's an indication of something that I have yet to explore in my own personal goings on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ends up looking like if there is, like when we used to play with the different shaped blocks in our little cubes our little boxes when we were kids, learning our shapes and all that. I remember that. For me, the discomfort, for me, that discomfort is learning what my shapes look like. My, like, either my personality or my history, something that I have made uh, for myself either accidentally or on purpose. Because, like, as I get older, there are things that are happening to me now that I can see um, becoming a thing for my psyche in the future, whether that may be good or bad. I mean, but we're living in a pandemic now, so there are things, there are defense mechanisms 
and things that yeah. I've done for myself now that I can feel becoming something for me later and yeah. how I choose to direct my energies and my magics and my Mag- spell work and my psyche, how I choose to direct myself is how I choose to be in the future. And so right now so it's, it's very it's it's an indicator. Yeah. It's a heads up. It's more to... Go ahead. But sometimes it's not sometimes it's not even something as like critical. Sometimes it's just right. something for me to explore about myself. And yeah. for for a lot Give of my rela- for a lot of my relationship with me um, I think that a lot of introverts people who consider themselves introverts and have done the digging to define themselves as introverts and the same goes for extroverts um, people who wait let me gather my thought um why do that? This is a show on chaos. <laughs> um, <laughs> great, now I've forgotten everything. Good job. You helped that. You made that happen. You're welcome. You're you're welcome, Mom. Um I love you. I love you. Okay, that's where it was. Um so <laughs> we in this time of like there was this whole piece before the pandemic came out that people were uh getting acquainted with that in this time of digital uh connections and social media that people were feeling lonelier than ever and it was called mm-hmm. like an epidemic of loneliness and so mm-hmm. then there was this, then there was this uh pushback this kind of uh thing that we did where people were like, okay, even if we are alone, like literally in a room alone, how do we learn to be friends with ourselves and to love ourselves? And so for me, discomfort as a witch is a conversation point. Like how can I have a conversation? Like it it is something for me to talk to myself about, um, like why does this, why does this feel uncomfortable? And it might not even be a bad thing, but it's just an interesting thing. Like, right. if it, it might just be an interesting thing about myself that I get to learn more about myself. I mean, there's a reason why I love, like, those stupid-ass uh, BuzzFeed quizzes and, like, which Disney princess are you? Because that shit's <laughs> fun. I, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to know what your Myers-Briggs personality test is. It's fun to know what you would look like as an alien or, like, who we are as pets. Like, it's kind of fun to just get to know yourself in any way possible. And for me, that discomfort in any way, shape, or form is a way for me to get to know myself better. And this whole life experience and lifetime that I have, I am going to be the only one who is with me for the entirety of it. Period. That's my girl. Oh yeah. Fucking Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> so here's the case in point. You guys ready for this um, smash cut? Ready? Bradwick, yeah. what are you wearing? What? <laughs> Bradwick. He's like, no, I don't think I am. He's like, rewind. Bradwick, what are you wearing? Just say it. Just say it. Okay, I'm... Be at peace with your decision. I'm still wearing the dress socks um, I wore to work. I have um, some Christmas jammy pants on that say (laughs) I slay. And they have super cool Santas with sexy hair and um, sunglasses. Mm. Whoa, wait a minute. This is going to be a photo you take and put on the Incantation Nation page, yes? Facebook page? I'll take it right now. Yes, you will. Damn it. I love the sound of that. Did you hear that, y'all? Incantation Nation has a photograph of Bradwick combed cotton sexy haired Santa. What is Santa doing with his hair that it's this is not important. Here's here's the point while Bradwick goes ahead and takes these photos. My point is what can initially be regarded as existential freakout can pretty shortly thereafter reveal itself as, oh, my God, I don't ever want to go back to the way it was before. Why? Because what you've done is you've moved your magical think conceptual process from, you know, Pants being the order and non-professional clothing being chaos, pandemic hits, boom, you're at home 24-7. So we remove the structure of confining clothing being labeled as professional, i.e. good and commendable slash order. And we have flipped the chaos of pajamas is now labeled as our freedom and priority as people to be comfortable. Which is why people are like, okay, I mean, with other complications too, but what I'm going to refer to is Working from home, being able to digitally send our products, quote, unquote, wherever, having online communications. I mean, we are literally picking up and removing the structure that separated the previous chaos into someone else's idea of what structure and order should be. And everything got thrown in together. And yes, Bradwick, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not going to be uncomfortable. It is going to be uncomfortable. For some, that discomfort 
will last for a shorter period of time than for others. Those of us who were born into the quadrants of chaos will be like, "Mm, I'm in my element now, bitch. But I heard from all of the INFJs talking about lockdown, like, bitch, ain't nothing changed for me. Because I was the fuck at home anyway, enjoying myself by myself and the world being what I determined it to be. And I think that was a big fucking ha 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 to all these extrovert social types who are like, I don't know what to do, I'm dying, you know. And then they had to learn how to conduct themselves and live from lockdown. And it's a reversal, but it's also an existential study of what the hell do these words, order and chaos, actually mean? And when you start deconstructing those words, then you end up where Neve was um, sharing last uh, Friday when she said, I don't like these words. These are not my words. These words do not fit in my mouth. I don't like these words. And she spat them out, and there they laid on the floor like dog toys. Right? But chaos and order, you have to ask, who decided what should be chaos and what should be order? And that's an extremely important question for witches especially ask. Um, Because when you learn that it is only your comfort and identity and self as God form, you realize that you uniquely and solely possess the ability, skills, aptitude, and best of all, insight into what your world should look like. You determine what is chaotic, you determine what is order, and if you wish to cast those two stupid words aside, you can. But the point is, you are the captain of your fate, and you are the master of your soul. No way. I'm quoting Invictus now. That's not fair. Okay. <laughs> um, Bradwick Soft, did I help you? Did I not help you? Say words. Yes, you helped me. I, <laughs> it takes digesting. You know, it's it's one thing to have the conversation, but it's another to sit with it and understand understand it. 
Like I have to have to kind of digest yeah. a little bit. I yeah I am yeah. I am I'm new. Like if you're having this conversation like with Neve or or you know someone that's been in the practice you know for decades or whatever you know they're going to have a completely different take with me um as yeah. we do with most of our conversations I do need to take a step back and and really think about it and be like oh okay yeah no this makes sense like it all makes sense to me right now but I do want to like sit with it and like let it marinate um well, when that's, it will. that's what I and, do right now and what's delicious about it besides butter and dresses like Philip um is that words like chaos order um those concepts will be explored for the rest of your day and that exploration will yield a richness to you that is ever flowing. Um, And I think that's one of the many, many things in witchcraft that yields such beauty is that it's not a, there's nothing about witchcraft that is linear. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. It's vaporous, it's plasmic, it's dynamic and flowing, and it defies rules and regulations Um, because we decided uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago that what was important to us was surviving and loving each other. And so we ordered our world according to the agricultural cycle, kind of important, and we ordered our world according to the lunar cycle. And that was the only law and order that we needed to answer to besides the mysteries with a capital M of birth and death, which is another conversation for another show because I got lots of words on that. Um, but I think it's, it's one of the geeked out in special perks of me being me is that I get to see sit with these pagans and residents and by that I mean my my fleshies, my love nuggets, uh, my offspring, is that I get to watch them listen to the perspectives of um, folks who are new to the path. And there are things that they hear. There, I mean, it's like my children suddenly become huskies, right? You know how huskies will cock their heads to the side and get this big dopey look on their face? You know, like that one meme of the husky photobomb? Yeah, okay. Everyone's yeah. like, you're fucking cooked, chick. Uh, so my kids are that husky. Um, but they will do that 
when they hear someone who is new to the practice use a word that indicates order, but what translates in my children's heads is confines and stricture and restriction and the inability to have agency and live as one would choose to live or move as one would choose to move or express as one would choose to express. And I get to sit there with my proverbial popcorn and just chow down as an anthropologist, taking notes on how the lifelong pagan sees the new convert and how the new paganism, witchcraft, sees Neve. Like, she looks like this flowing banner of pagan freedom and a wind of bliss and, I don't know, like, irreverence for the man. Sorry. I threw up uh, devil's horns right then, too. Woo! We have Satan. There we go. Um, and it's just, it's a really interesting perspective for me to hear uh, converts from different faiths, converts from different uh, class echelons, you know, whether or not they were affluent or whether or not they were a poverty kid like I was, Um different racial backgrounds, different pagan faiths, and different immersion timelines. And by that, I mean, are you a lifelong pagan? Are you a half-life pagan? Are you um, someone (laughs) who has just found what paganism is um, and where you are in that process? Because that process can be pretty fucking bewildering uh, and take some time to adjust. Right. So, but if if one of you were to ask me, well, what do you think the importance of discomfort is, Hadera? Patrick said. Hadera, what do you think the importance of discomfort is? Well, for me, and thank you for asking, I've I've thought about this for the past couple days. Um, the importance of discomfort, and I'm going to get a little header of holler on this one for a hot second, and that's a nod to my sister Clyde. Um, discomfort all right, so my nanny had this dog. His name was Pierre. She named him Pierre because he was a French poodle. Just let the stereotypes land where they may. And this dog would, like, rumble and wolf and settle and resettle. It slept behind her door, and I would sit with her, and I'm like, what the hell is that dog's malfunction? Now, she was 
from Beckley, West Virginia. This is a woman with an eighth grade education uh, because girl children were not allowed to educate. And they could go for the first few years so that they learned to read and write, but not much past that. Anyway, so I said, Nanny, why why is he fussing like that? And she said he's fussing because he's laying on these two nails that are coming up through the floorboards. And I said, oh, why doesn't he move? And she said, and I'll never forget it, because it was a lightning strike of, oh, I learned something. She said when he gets good and tired of the way that it hurts, he'll get up and move. And I said, what? Because what <laughs> what she was saying is, if you're happy with the constraints, the confines, and they work for you, then you're going to stay in them. Not everybody is volunteering to be freed from the matrix. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people want the juicy steak-like cipher in the matrix. I'm doing too many popular culture references. I'm sorry. So back to Pierre. (laughs) So Pierre's laying on these nails sticking up through the floorboards, and I'm looking at this dog, and I'm thinking, will he ever decide that laying on these two nails was too much and that he could no longer do it. He just, he couldn't do it. And so, like him, it signals discomfort for me, signals that a change needs to be made. And that, like Asherah said, that chain needs to be made. And Neve said the same thing. She said, discomfort is an indicator that whatever you're experiencing does not have your seal of approval. You don't like it. Are you going to embrace your own agency and make the change that is required in that moment to move yourself to a better position, a more comfortable set of circumstances. That is the importance of discomfort. And I think that that was the hardest work that colonizers uh, had to do to break the minds of those who were colonized and were fatigued by a resistance, and as well as gender socialization to convince people that their discomfort is not only permissible, but necessary. That's the fucked upness. That's the pathology. 
And that is the way of the Muggleverse. Period, point blank, end of story. Thanks for listening to Incantation Nation. I'm just kidding. But you get my point is the the fundamentals of witchcraft require for you to do an internal, a personal inventory. What am I feeling? And asking that question itself is an act of revolution. Because you're not allowed to feel anything. Because you're not human if you are a person of color. You're not human if you're a female child. And they tell you which you are when you're born, female or male. By the way, only two choices, which we know to be false if you are, quote-unquote, disabled. Those words did not exist for our people previous to the order that was superimposed on what they saw us as living in chaos. It wasn't chaos for us. We, are, we were living a life ordered by the timing of the moon and by the timing of the sun and by the timing of whether it was the Nile being flooded or the reindeer coming down into the valleys. That's how our world was ordered. Nature has her own math. talking about fractal geometry already. But the point is, while we can dispense with words like chaos and order, the brilliance of discomfort is that it's a green flag. It's something that is being waved in your life It says, this needs attention. Please do an internal diagnostic. Sorry, again, popular culture reference. Please do an internal or personal inventory of your fields and see what's going on. And to acquaint yourself with that. And it takes time. It depends on how divorced each of us is from our fields and our internal barometer, which is why when I sent a very good friend, Airwitch, out into the yard, when she came back, She was completely disoriented and overloaded because she got way more information from her listening with a capital L to the world. It wasn't just human and balmy. It wasn't just the winds whipping up because there was a storm coming. It was more. And she felt it. And it created a discomfort within her which signaled indicated 
a thing that she needed to look at and needed to reconcile it. And if it couldn't be reconciled in all one go, that's fair. That's fine. It's going to take time. And I don't want anyone listening to Incantation Nation to be cruel or unusual to themselves. This is not parochial school. This is freedom school. Just kidding. Um, And so that's what witchcraft is. And I'm sure... Um, to others who are quite comfortable in those previous structures, um, it's because they have no idea what they're missing. They have no idea that they have superpowers. And I wish I could get to them all. And, you know... I can be like Morpheus and just keep freeing minds, you know? Kind of like this. Wait, which pill was which? Red was Muggleverse and blue was reality? I don't remember. Somebody emailed the show or messaged the show because I can't remember which pill was what. Um... But anyway, so, Bradwick, what are your musings about all the words I just made to your ear hole? Um, well, for starters, <laughs> um, the life-changing truth was the red pill, and blissful ignorance was the blue pill. Just saying. <laughs> okay, so the muggle versus blue. And yep. Pagan, yep. and paganism is red. I like it. Yeah. Feels very primal. <laughs> Super primal. Um you know, just taking in everything we've talked about so far about discomfort and you know, the um the the way we've all been set up. Um the programmed. way we're programmed, yes. Um yeah. As I said on the show before, I am a recovering Catholic. You know, I think I'm – no, I'm – am I recovered? I don't know. I'm doing a lot of shit I'd be condemned for right now. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, big time. But, you know, I – I don't know. I think back to my my elementary school days and my middle school days and my high school days. Okay, well, shit, and my college days. <laughs> but, um, it, you mean your entire life? Mostly. Up until the, to the... My entire life. <laughs> no. <laughs> my, so my example here, I guess, is when I was in elementary school. I was at a private Catholic school. And mm-hmm. my family and I realized things weren't working out there. There was something just different. And I... I was, you know, in fifth grade, but feeling uncomfortable. I didn't want to be there anymore. Something was wrong. It didn't feel right. And right. I was, you know, at every turn, I was getting in trouble for something ridiculous or, you know, being told this is this and that's that. And this is how we do this. And, you know, you have to go to church. You have to do this. You have to feel this way. And then I hit middle school and I switched mm-hmm. schools. 
I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What's the science class evolution shit about? What is <laughs> You guys don't like do the it's Bible a little trippy, here? right? <laughs> right. It was like, wait. So these rules just changed for me. Yeah. You know, so those that that's where that first change was, but there was still something off. And right. I was young. I didn't really know what was what still because I had already been conditioned a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, I guess, 2014 that I came out. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah, that's what that was. <laughs> that's what that was. That's that entire that time was. I was programmed. I just to get it out of my <laughs> It's like my gain is no, like it, a pollen. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, you know, is is again, it's just going back to being like programmed and being told, like, you know, we have these senses. This is what we do. This is wrong. That's right. You know, and as I continue sitting here absorbing everything this evening and from our past show, I'm my my brain is recalling. Uh, other events in my life where I've been like, oh, okay, that's what that was. You know, is that does that make? I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I'm I'm actually having little connections of my own as you are speaking, and this is really cool. So keep talking. I'm just going to listen and absorb for a minute. I'm having a thing going on here. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, no, it it goes to what Asher was saying about um, part of the discomfort for her was asking for help and setting boundaries. And mm-hmm. I've always hated asking for help. I hated it. I hate it because mm-hmm. when I did, I was told no. I was told no or I was wrong and mm-hmm. I felt ignored. Like, I was at that school, and mm-hmm. I would tell the teachers things. They wouldn't do shit. And it, and I would, ha- I would go home crying. My mom's like, Bradwick, have we lost you? Could be satellite interference. We do have a satellite going over right now. We're broadcasting from the International Space Station. And or Bradwick could have been ejected from the chaos of this show, which would be fantastic. So what I will will do in the meantime is recount the little connections I was making. Wait, did they just exit my brain? I think they did. Asherah, what little popcorn has popped in your brain while we've been talking about the concepts of order, chaos, and what's the importance? Because this is your question, the importance of discomfort or being uncomfortable. What's the magic in and the value or richness of being uncomfortable. So I'm going to hand you my phone, and you're going to say words. Okay. So words. I mean, well, the first thing I wanted to talk about is your story about Pierre 
has it kind of reminded me of like an issue that I deal with is is um switching one known uncomfort to a mysterious uncomfort that could be worse, could be better, I don't know. Right. Um I know I deal with that in my personal life. My current living situation is mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the idea of of leaving and not knowing what that situation of life is like uh, terrifies me. So I deal with the uncomfort that I know, mm-hmm. um, even though I think, <clears throat> you know, deep down I know that making that change would be better for me. Mm-hmm. But that is a process I'm trying to to uh, go through, I guess, mm-hmm. slowly learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the, the, the whole magic with discomfort is that it's showing you that you are growing. If you're if you're stagnant and you don't feel any change, you're not going anywhere. You have to feel that uncomfort to know that you're you're making that change. So uncomfort is good. Yes, uncomfort is good. Yes. It's fucking great. Yes. Say more words. More words. Yeah. Uh, I talked for a long time about LinkedIn. You did. Bubbled in your brain hole. What else effervesced in your mind champagne? No? All right. Okay. I'm back. So, did you slide into the ether, the abyss? Do you have to peep in? You just didn't want anyone to hear you. No, I was dragged I mean, to the it, abyss it, against it, my will. You were what? <laughs> I was dragged what? to the abyss You're... against my will. Oh, no. My phone uh, call dropped. <laughs> No, I like it when we speak speak in these fictional terms. I think it's important. It's more mysterious. Yeah. All right. So since it's 920, I'm going to shift ever so slightly, ever so slightly, um, because what I hope will happen for listeners and proud citizens of Incantation Nation is that there will be a grand graying of worlds that they thought previously were black and white. That's my hope. Because it's in the gray that we can sort through and find where is our meaning? Where are we deriving our personal meaning? Um, and I think that's pretty critical. No, it's absolutely critical to creating a life that is self-determined and reflective of what we want it to be and it is a life that is unapologetic unapologetic is not synonymous with confrontational that's just what I do for fun unapologetic means you don't make apologies for when you have to go to the bathroom or when you're hungry or, no, I don't want to be on your podcast, which is completely perfect. 
Because I applaud people who know themselves, know the language of their souls, and speak it outright. Because then I don't have to worry. They're going to be out there advocating for themselves. Now, if you all were to on how well I do advocating for myself, I would say, wow, I just got a big fucking thumbs up from thumbs down. Ah, the other thumbs up. (laughs) didn't sound right either. Oh. All right. Oh. Um, I know. Gross, right? Okay. So you've got your mind fixed on, we're, we're getting back to the discomfort of the thing, right? Because hopefully each of our inputs have fleshed out idea of the importance of discomfort. Discomfort is an indicator that something is ill-fitting, that we should check it out. We should assess the situation and whether or not it is something that we want to make change on because it's an indicator that change is necessary. Okay, change is necessary. What am I prepared to do to move the discomfort and the circumstances to a place that gets me to where I'm comfortable? Now, where this gets really fucking exciting is when you begin to learn how to take a comfortable set of circumstances and make them uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Let that just be syrup drizzled over your stack of pancakes with extra butter. Just let it warm up. Butter's melting. Delicious food for thoughts in thought form because because not only can you then create a chaos which then serves your cloaking abilities because you can slide into a situation do what you need to do slide out of a situation that's pretty much how I was able to survive my childhood as the youngest and smallest of four children in a 1970s household of great danger and violence and very few places to hide. That's another story for another time because where I felt most comfortable and most loved was in the woods. And we'll talk about that another time. Further, when you realize that 
you can be in a place of comfort, create or acknowledge the chaos in the world around you, you can then vaporize yourself into the everything, again with a capital E, on the, in all of the existences and beings and the others and the weather and the past, present, future, which is, again, words that don't apply. They're someone else's words. Um, You can begin to experiment and create from that what you want to create for your life. We've talked about this. Um, but then there's a thing called trance work and that's way uncomfortable for a lot of folks. For others, they are, you know, they're going to hit up some magic mushrooms, psilocybin to get to that in-between place. Because when you are there, you are able to see with a capital S and listen with a capital L to a larger percentage of your world. You are able to saturate yourself with more of what is out there to be experienced. And you can bring it into your whole mind salad and make it part of your knowingness, okay? Now, there's also the ability to use these things for, um, like I alluded to my horrific childhood, um, defensive magic, offensive magic on occasion, when you deem necessary. Um, and not just for employment reasons or love reasons or healing reasons. Right now in the universe, on a planet called Earth, in the northern hemisphere on this continent, there's a whole bunch of what others would call chaos. And for a great many millions of people, this is terrifying because they don't know that if this advanced futuristic superstructure of Western civilization isn't in place, whatever will we do? Well, just so happens. There's those of us who are not afraid of those norms, those constructs, that order being broken up and thrown out. And yes, is it going to be intensely painful for a while? Yeah, it is. 
But just as you, Bradwick, became real comfortable with going to meetings in your sexy Santa PJs um, and others learning how to get comfortable with working remotely, we have seen that this being at home and being with family for better or worse. These are circumstances which heretofore we've been divorced from. And we didn't know what the states of those relationships were until we were in them full time and we decided, you know what? I don't like you half as much as I'm supposed to legally. Let's get divorced, speaking for myself. I 86 that process quite a few years back. Anyway, um, we have learned a lot. We've learned a lot about how to be alone and how to be with ourselves and how to understand the elasticity of living and what constitutes thriving and happy and peaceful and loving and also what's not. But we begin to cultivate a proficiency at least of what is our own barometer. Welcome to your barometer. It tells you how you feel. This is really going to challenge those folks who are codependent and say, do I like these pants on me? No, seriously, tell me what I think about these pants. Am I comfortable in these? No, I'm not comfortable in these. Are you sure? Because I really like the Santa. No. Okay. So, but do you see what I'm saying? We entrust our own fucking opinions about ourselves and our circumstances to other people? Really? Tell me what I think right now? Those are words that never fucking came out of my mouth. But I don't know. People see me as some leadership figure. And, ooh, hey, that's a hard show to keep pulling off year after year after year. <laughs> okay, listen, I've been in a room for 43 weeks straight. So if I laugh at my own jokes, I don't want to hear That said. I want to remind everyone of what this week, and I'm not closing the show. I'm just reinserting the order and chaos and discomfort through the incantation that I chose, that I wrote four years ago, and it's called Ward the Brack. And then I'll have a a quiz of five questions right after the completion of the poem, the incantation. Ready? Ready? Ready. Yes. Okay, here we go. Tune the in-between for mischief-making with those unseen from strangest corners mine allies crawl. To bind my enemies 
under peg and all. Long darkness cures and loves me back, then summons hell and wards the brack. <laughs> so what does it mean? What does it all mean? It's a double <laughs> rainbow, man. Okay, hold on. Brad, I'm not going to put you in the hot seat. I'm going to put your sister in the hot seat first. Okay? Preheated seat. Okay. Hot seat. Okay. Ashra, <laughs> what the hell does that incantation mean? Go. To me, the line that stuck out the most is, like, gathering your allies from corners unseen, I think it was. It's on the screen. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Found it. Um, because I, for me, that's what, what matters the most right now is I've, because of you, I found all these allies that I wouldn't have, have met and wouldn't have known, and they've become these, like, little beacons of hope and I don't know. I, I would. I feel more comfortable knowing they're there, having these allies to fight the evil back. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's what that incantation was: finding these allies to make yourself stronger mm-hmm. to fight against the chaos and the evil. So, what is meant by the in between? Let me see. Let me see. First line. So, opportune the in between for mischief making with those unseen. So what do I mean when I say so opportune the in-between? To me, that it's like that in-between gray area between the uncomfort and the change. Like, all right, here's, a, here's our situation. Let's do something. Yeah. Make an opportunity out of it. Yeah. You can make, you can make the in-between because Absence of color is 1%. Complete presence of color is only 1%. And the other 98% of the continuum is gray. Let's just accept that that's true. So we're all in the gray all the time. And if you see the in-between is 98% of your life, see it as an opportunity. It's like Supermarket sweep, right? You literally, and I have always said that which is a verb. You can go out into your life and make what you want from the shit you snatch and get in your life cart and check out with, right? If you know that the store even exists to you. And if you know that there is no money necessary to shop there, that's the freedom that witchcraft gives you. Truth? Truth. All right. What else you can find in that little ditty? Let's see. In the incantation. Take it apart. You're an English major. I am. Right. Wrap me out. Yeah. Say more words right now. Sorry, I'm reading, reading. Uh, <laughs> I should have had prepared. 
Well, I guess I see. I don't know what the BRAC is, so maybe we should cover what that is. You did not look that up. No, I'm I'm sorry. Bradwick Lifeline, do you know what the BRAC is? Does is it the break? Like a a break of some sort? No. I'm incorrect, aren't I? Yeah. Well, see. <laughs> yes, she does appreciate your effort. I'm just shaking my oh, head. Oh, thanks. Okay. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to stop the flow of the groupness. Brack is water that is where fresh water from a river meets the seawater from the ocean. And its salinity is a mixture of seawater and fresh water. So it has this liminal, gray quality to it because it is not seawater. It is not fresh water. And I mean, if you Google image Brackwater, you can see some stunningly beautiful margins of where the ocean water meets the seawater and how they assume this beautiful, gorgeous flow over and under each other. It is very amniotic to say the least. And I can get lost in those things, but I'm a trancy type anyway. Um, But the brat to me as a witch is what muggles would call chaos. It's supermarket sweep for us because we can go out Um, And largely the fear of witches comes from the fact that we can control and order our lives in ways where other people are like, I don't know what she's doing, man. She's writing symbols on the sidewalk in front of her house. Oh, my God. Okay, neighbor Tom, just go back in the house. But they don't understand what we're doing. Because we are able to slip into the in-between soon, especially when that in-between comes to a household or comes to your state or maybe the presidency of the United States of America. Well, exactly. Never our question. But the fact is, I've been a self-identified social justice warrior since the 90s. Um, Got my master's degree in education in revolutions. True. It's true. Anyway. um, And the work that I did was frustrating in so much as there was no national appetite for 
change on a greater scale. And the George Floyd of the 90s was Rodney King. And that was the first time I got arrested. And I was the one in the flexi cuffs um, declaring that change needed to fucking happen. But there wasn't enough of us saying it. So here I am 30 years later. Ooh, that's a gross thing to say. Here I am 30 years later. And Trump was elected. And I said, okay, I know what's happening. I see it. I know what's happening. And I did very deliberate spell work around it. And that spell work has been playing out to the letter. Um, and I'm frightening myself with my awesomeness. I mean, you know how I feel. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but the fact is, I'm excited. Is it terrifying? Yes. Have people died? Yeah. I mean, the American president, himself personally, has been responsible and is still responsible for genocide, for caging people, for raping women, for breaking down uh, people's livelihoods and senses of self, this person is a monster. He is, or was, in a place of such high visibility and high importance that when he took his place, as a practicing witch of 38 years, 39? I don't know. I knew, okay, this is it. This is where everyone gets to see how awful the world is. Sure enough, the George Floyd thing happened, and everybody saw it. And then last Wednesday, he thought he was going to create a chaos he could manage. (laughs) It's really cute because those of us that were born in the chaos quadrant, we're looking at him like, bruh, you don't even know how to lace up your own shoes, let alone navigate chaos. But he started something that he could not control and burns his ass. And it pleases me as punch. Because I think there were folks, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been glued to the TV since last summer. I haven't really moved. People just slide me food on plates, and then I slide the plate back out into the non-quarantine part of the household. But watching this process 
everyone thought their bit of order was managed. Um, and it wasn't. And those of us who recognized the disease and pathology of the system, of the structure, delighted in watching it crack, crumble, and fall. But we also know that the price that is paid, those who are beloved are martyred. And those who are casualties of that war are most often folks who benefited from and directly perpetuated it, which is exactly what the Republicans went back in a session to do at 1241 a.m. late Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning, and gotten to fight so, you know, about certifying or not certifying the next president. But what has happened in the meanwhile, in the gray, in the in-between, in the chaos, as some would say, is that a lot of people saw some shit, a lot of people got suddenly educated, and a lot of people many, many more than in the mid-90s, finally said, something has to change. And I just gave myself goosebumps from ankle to wrist. Tell you what that means to me as an OG social justice warrior who's been zip-tied, we're going to say regularly, since 1995, uh, 94, 92, all three years. Anyway, um, change is not necessarily bad, but we all know those among us who would cling to it, not realizing that we may be bypassing something pathological and passing over something beneficial. And so, listening to discomfort and or being proficient at creating it is part and parcel of growth and expansion of your mind and your circumstances, realizing there's more missing and not seeing. And it's only in areas of struggle do we acquaint ourselves with our aptitudes in the world, with our skills in the world. The prophet Bob Marley said, you don't know how strong you are until strength is all you have. So if you take away the things, the material, beloved family members, your health, maybe your life's dream, then you really, really are left in a place of 
introspection. And you have to get with your understanding of what it is that truly orders your life, organizes your life. If I were to look at number one child, Neve, since her eruption on January 11th of 1998, her world is ordered by color and form. She's legally blind. And she's an artist. An extraordinary artist. And her world is ordered similar to mine. Not entirely the same as mine. So the question in times of chaos is, can you use this? As a witch, am I uncomfortable? If so, how so? And what is this feeling pointing to as a thing that needs my attention to change it and move myself to the next place of livingness? Because we control our circumstances. And many people would give me many reasons about why they can't, why they're not really in control of their circumstances. It's like you guys don't really understand the true meaning of consent. There's a difference between what you can't do and what you won't do. And I took a lot of the you can't in my life and I turned them into I will because I call bullshit. <laughs> Does that make sense? Have I said words yeah. to your brain hole? Yeah. You're feeling it? Yeah. I'm not saying that right now in all of our lives, is not traumatic. What I'm saying is we have an opportunity here because what's been broken, fucked up, and built into the American experience as its horrific bloodletting structure since 1619 is being broken. And I, for one, have waited for these moments all my life. And I'm here for it. Because, yes, there have been casualties. But would any of this whole impeach and remove and, you know, Article 25, would any of that be discussed? If that first dude and his buddy hadn't decided to push through that door on Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m., would it? 
Did three rioters die? Yeah, they did. They did. Did one of the Capitol Police commit suicide? Yeah, he did. And was another one killed by the rioters? Yes. And history will place them in their respective places. And George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of the names that haven't been said will be lifted up, remembered, and we will get to the business of fixing what was previously the order, which was chaos to 98% of the fucking population. And we are going to use these moments of discomfort to create change that has needed to happen for 402 years. So when your work clothes are too tight and confining, you take them off and you grab your combed cotton, sexy hair Santa pajamas, And you put them on and you define what is your most comfortable state of being. And then you make sure that you take your elected officials to task and you make the changes in yourself that have dehumanized anyone, including yourself. That's the importance of discomfort. So chaos and order, take them and leave them. Those terms are made up arbitrary and they are subjective according to who sees chaos and who sees order. Which is learn to swim in all of it. So, I will say again, so opportune the in-between for mischief-making with those unseen. From strangest corners mine allies crawl to bind my enemies under peg and all. And long darkness cures and loves me back. Then summons hell and wards the brat. I have been your enchantress, Hedera Bindwood. And this has been episode 15 and a half at a 2% moon on this Monday evening. I love you all. You are important. And you should find yourself as important as I do. Sound cool? Cool. This is Incantation Nation.
Brad with Pete. Take us to bed.
Into that big 